in my mind, if we're talking about a church, I think that they should be the first ones who would be compliant with these things because aren't they supposed to be the example of how to live, act, and behave? Isn't that supposed to be the point? When I was reading this, I'm thinking, yeah, unless you can show where abusing children is part of your doctrine, you cannot lump that in with the free exercise of religion. Other religious leaders are allowed to skirt these laws too on the grounds of separation of church and state. Well, you know, that's fine when it comes to being allowed to practice your religion without persecution, but it also literally allows you to do things like abuse your children from birth and indoctrinate the shit out of them to guarantee that they grow up believing the same fairy tales that you do. I'll say it again, it's 2023. If there are 500 people in a room, there are at least 500 cameras there too. Welcome to Unbound, a podcast for new atheists and lifetime atheists ex-evangelicals, truth seekers, and free thinkers. There is life after faith. And life here is good. It's time for a new perspective. And a better conversation. I'm Spider. And I'm Shell. And it's time to get unbound. Let me ask you this. What legitimate religion disciplines its own for protecting children from predators? What religion that wants to compel people to come in keeps doing things that their communities find repellent? Who out there is capable of being pushed over the edge by a centuries-old stone dick? Half the population has one, after all. And who in 2023 witnesses a miracle without a hundred cell phones at the ready to document it? Well, we're going to answer all of these questions in just a few minutes. I'm Spider. And I'm Shell. And if that intro didn't get you to hit pause and find something else to listen to, strap in. It's going to be a bumpy ride this week, folks. Before we dive into our Christians behaving badly for this week, just want to let you know, our Japuza episode is now going to be dropping on April 16th with a possible follow-up on April 23rd. There's just too much weighing down on the spider right now, and I'm not happy with the way things are being put together with this. This is one of those topics that I think really, really needs a lot of vetting and a lot of preparation. And I've turned some dark corners with this that I want to make sure we present in the right way. So I'm going to take my time with this one. I think it's a very, very important topic to present thoroughly and to try remaining a little bit objective over as we go. It's difficult with this particular situation. Very, very, very difficult. But I think that a couple more weeks to really get my ducks in a row is something that we need here, especially with everything that's going on with the rest of my life right now. We're also going to be moving our episode on revivals into June or sometime over the summer so that we can bring you a twofer in May. I feel like this is a timely topic that we should be addressing right before anyone decides to send their kids to camp. over the summer. We're going to do a two-part series on Christian summer camps, and we're going to start with a look at what happens at the average church camp and follow up the following week with our long-anticipated, repeatedly promised review of, you guessed it, Jesus Camp. Mm -hmm. Look for both of those, I want to say halfway through May, before Memorial Day. We're going to get these all out and deliver it by the middle of May. But for now... Four more stories from the circus sideshow that is this crazy religion that we all love and adore so much around here. So this week, let's confess that we have a problem here. All things are permissible, but you still need a permit. 
how one tiny penis can ruin your entire career. And picks or it absolutely, positively did not happen. These are the stories that round out the maelstrom of Christian idiocy that I'm dubbing, permit me to say, you're wrong edition. <laughs> All right, Shell, start us out. What have we got for this week? Well, this is not our first, but it's certainly not going to be our last story about a Christian behaving well, getting punished by Christians behaving badly. Because that is a thing. Yeah, it always has been. Unless you've been living under a rock somewhere on Mars, you're probably aware of the ongoing and increasing scandal in the Catholic Church and the molestation and pedophilia claims. While most priests and higher-ups consistently make claims of doing everything they can do to protect the children under their care, the scandals keep happening in current day as well as past incidents coming to light. One big problem is the Catholic doctrine of the sacred seal of confession. Any priest attempting to report crimes or admissions of harm to the authorities would be excommunicated, which certainly doesn't seem like everything they can do to protect children. In fact, one priest in Australia confessed to committing 1,500 acts of molestation to 30 separate priests over the course of 25 years. My math is terrible, but I mean, how many instances per year I know. does that come out to? Mine is as bad as yours and maybe worse. Because of the sacred seal, though, no one ever reported his crimes, allowing the abuse to continue. Of course. And I don't know how things are in Australia, but here we have mandatory reporting laws that apply to people like doctors, teachers, therapists, caregivers, and more. The problem is that it doesn't extend to people like priests and other religious leaders are allowed to skirt these laws, too, on the grounds of separation of church and state. Well, you know, that's fine when it comes to being allowed to practice your religion without persecution, but it also literally allows you to do things like abuse your children from birth and indoctrinate the shit out of them to guarantee that they grow up believing the same fairy tales that you do. It's a rare thing when a pastor or other church leader goes down with an offender, even when it's clear that person had knowledge of what was going on. And the precedent for this absolutely positively stems from this shitty protection that the Catholic Church has enjoyed for years, where regardless of what is said in the confessional, the priest is not required to divulge anything. And it is high time that changed. Mm. As it turns out, not everyone is okay with doing nothing and saying you're doing everything you can. Currently in Delaware, there is a proposed bill, HB 74, that would break the sacramental seal. It would require priests to report child abuse and neglect that they learn about during confession. To any who are not Catholic, this would sound like a no-brainer. Of course you report child abuse, child molestation, child neglect. In fact, one retired priest, Reverend James E. Connell from the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, wrote an opinion piece in the Delaware News Journal calling for the clergy penitent privilege exemption to be repealed. An excerpt of his opinion piece reads, Unquestionably, secrets have a proper place in our lives, but if secrets contribute to the abuse or neglect of a minor, that form of secrecy is immoral and detrimental to the common good of the society. 
As a result, governments should intervene such that, while perhaps frustrating the free exercise of religion for some people, the greater good of protecting children from abuse or neglect would be enhanced for the common good of all people. Our society should protect children rather than protecting culprits. And yes, I'm, I, I didn't hear a single thing there that I could even begin to disagree with. But my thought when I was reading this, I'm thinking, yeah, unless you can show where abusing children is part of your doctrine, you cannot lump that in with the free exercise of religion. What you have in those instances is a gross and very, very dangerous abuse of religious liberty. You're hiding behind your privilege to exercise your religion and using it as a front to abuse children. There's a big difference there. And again, it's time that somebody pulled back the curtain on this and said, yeah, no, we can't have this anymore. But it's going to be a huge uphill battle trying to make that particular change. Mm. We're talking about something that has been set in stone for centuries, that's been in place long before America was even a thing. And that being the case, I'm afraid to say it's going to take a lot more than just one voice crying out in the wilderness to make these changes happen. Yeah. To most of us, this is a no-brainer. Of course you protect children over predatory adults. Of course you do, or you should. There's the operative. As it turns out, Reverend Connell has been an outspoken advocate for victims of sexual abuse for a long time, and apparently the opinion piece was a step too far for the Diocese of Milwaukee. The archbishop of that diocese has declared that Connell is no longer allowed to hear confessions or grant absolution. The archbishop ended his message with these words, The Archdiocese of Milwaukee remains fully committed to the protection of all people from acts of abuse and neglect. However, our commitment to this protection in no way allows us to endorse or advocate for any practice, policy, or legislative action that would threaten the inviolable nature of the confessional seal and the clergy penitent privilege. I love the use of the word inviolable there. Yeah. Connell, however, has decided that he will not remain silent about this matter. If you're not confessing about something regarding abusing and neglecting kids, what have you got to worry about, Connell said. Let's remove the obstacle of confidentiality so police and law enforcement can do their jobs. Connell on Friday was not sure what would happen to him next. He believed Listecki, the archbishop, could penalize him for continuing to speak out on the issue after being ordered to stop. I will not keep quiet. I will not be silent, Connell said. This is all too important. You know, some of them actually do get it right. Yeah. And this guy, as far as I'm concerned, he's part of the solution and not part of the problem here. I, and, you know, I, I hate that I'm being boxed into the position of defending a Catholic priest by any means or anyone in the Catholic Church. Yeah. But I will say this. He's going to be excommunicated. I have no doubt. From where I'm sitting, the result of this is going to be, there are going to be some Catholics that are going to be like, okay, good for them for defending our centuries-long tradition here. But like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, there are plenty of Catholics out there that think on a much more progressive level. Mm. And regardless of what happens to this guy, he's going to have support. And I also think that it is incredibly brave for someone who has clearly devoted his life to this thing yeah. to be willing to let it be taken away from him 
to shine the light on just how bad this situation is. And with that, we get to steer the ship back into Greg Locke territory. We've skirted him for a little while, but guess what? He's back. (laughs) And Shell, tell us what he's up to right now. After a long time absent from this segment, Pastor Greg Locke and his Global Vision Church has had a lawsuit brought against them for numerous zoning violations, as well as charges of disturbing the peace and trespassing. A Wilson County, Tennessee official has brought this lawsuit as, well, living in the town in question is like living next door to an airport. You know what? I've almost always lived next door to airports. I'll take that over this shit any day. Yeah. I'll have a little bit more to say about that in a couple of seconds, but go ahead. For years now, Locke, a mega-cultist best known for spreading conspiracy theories to an ever-growing group of extremely gullible Christians, has been holding services twice a week inside a large circus tent in Mount Juliet. I've always found that amusing. Yes, and very... I mean, just savor the irony (laughs) of this guy doing what he does in a circus tent. The music is loud, the preaching is turned up to 11, and his more recent deliverance services lead to crowds of people whooping it up under the false belief that their demons are being exercised. When church is in session, you can't go outdoors without hearing Locke or his acolytes screaming and yelling. And that isn't all. Locke has been adding property to his church without gaining the proper permits. Locke has been putting up new tents, he says, as a way of mitigating his own sound pollution. So he's solving his illegal sound level issues by illegally expanding his property makes all the sense in the world. It makes about as much sense as anything else this guy has ever done. Yeah. And I'm reading this and I'm just realizing, you know, we deal with this right where we live, with that idiotic church right down the street that has outdoor services all summer long Mm -hmm. and prohibits us from just sitting outside in our backyard and enjoying a little bit of quiet once in a while. Yeah. Where we live, you go outside at any point during the summer between noon and three o'clock in the afternoon, and it is just ridiculous, the levels of noise. I mean, you can hear it all over the neighborhood. Yeah. For somebody like Greg Locke, a bunch of complaints isn't going to uh, do a whole hell of a lot of good. And honestly, in most circumstances like that, it's not going to do a lot of good because these people are conditioned to believe that persecution is or perceived persecution, let's put it that way, is evidence that they're doing the right thing because Jesus told them that they would be persecuted. (laughs) So the more persecution there is or perceived persecution there is, the more convinced these people become that their causes are righteous. And it makes it harder to get them to stand down. And somebody like Greg Locke, um, this is... Yet another example of these people thinking that they can do whatever they want, wherever they want, and however they want with total impunity. And this guy, I've been watching him since the height of COVID, and things are just not getting any better. No, they really He's one of these ones who I absolutely believe wants as much negative attention as he can muster because it means that he's doing it right. In his twisted way of thinking about things, it means that he's doing things right. Yeah. Specifically, the lawsuit says that in July of 2019, the church began expanding without obtaining the proper building permit or stormwater permit. 
They had a stormwater permit, but it had expired. The county ordered them to stop the construction unless they could obtain the permits within 30 days. A second warning was sent in September. A third came in October. The county found that construction had stopped, but the church still didn't have the permits it needed. When the pandemic shut everything down a few months later, the county discovered unpermitted earthwork taking place at the church and issued another warning. Though Locke reopened his services without masks in August of 2021, the county's main concern is that he's operating his church from a space with no permit. It was later discovered that the church had also obtained a building with no permit. I'm beginning to sense a theme here. Yeah, you think? When the church finally asked for a permit in October, the county was willing to give it to him, assuming that all the legal conditions had been resolved. But they never were. To this date, these issues remain unresolved and outstanding. Surprise, surprise, surprise. They think that they're above any rule or regulation out there. And these aren't the only issues the county has. The public is also getting fed up with the church for a whole host of other reasons. Here's a small list of those reasons. The chief deputy in the Wilson County Sheriff's Office brought up the fact that during the month of September, his office received 41 noise complaints, 22 of which involved a church down in the west end of the county. That would be Global Vision. Locke held a book burning with fumes stretching well beyond his circus tent. It led one resident to tell a local news station that you can smell it. By November, the public was complaining about the noise, the drainage, and the construction. The complaints have increased in number and frequency from neighbors who suffer from the excessive noise, drainage from the property, and other issues, the lawsuit notes. I don't even want to have or provide a description of what the results of said drainage issues could possibly be. Yeah. They're meeting in a tent. That's problem number one. And there are many, many, many issues that can result from just that alone Mm. when it comes to things like drainage and sanitary conditions. What in the world are they doing? And what problems is it causing? You know, I say I don't want to think about it, but... It really does make a person wonder precisely what kind of impact this church is having on its community and why they continue thinking that it's a good one. Yeah. And despite another stop work order issued in January, Locke and his church have continued to build, this time a more permanent structure around the circus tent. I don't know what that's going to be, but it's going to be illegal. Yeah, probably. And I'm I'm trying to put together in my head what this looks like and why they're trying to build permanent structures around a tent. That makes no sense. Nothing makes any sense. He has also created a huge traffic issue while he was having a conference at his church. Oh, we'd know about that, wouldn't we? Mm. When asked for a comment about this, Pastor Locke whined that if this had been a pride event, this wouldn't even be an issue and no one would complain. But my dude, that's because pride events get their permits and have a limited amount of time to run. The dates and times are hammered out with the town. Locke is just being an entitled jerk. That's putting it very, very lightly. Very. 
The lawsuit is long overdue. The county just wants him to play by the same rules as every other building in the county, including churches. He's repeatedly acted like he's above the law. It's clear, the lawsuit says, that Locke's people have no intention of compliance. If Locke and his church don't comply, the lawsuit says, the court must remove all buildings from the property. They want Locke's church shut down unless he files the proper paperwork. Given how many warnings he's received over the course of several years, that's no longer an unfair request. It was never an unfair request. This is what anyone who owns or operates any kind of, I'm going to call it a business because that's what it is. Oh, yeah. But, you know, just a year and a half in, less than a year and a half in as a business owner, I know that there are certain things that I need to have done And the town that I operate in is not being unreasonable by simply asking me to follow the rules that every other business in town has to follow. Right. I've dealt with some very nitpicky kind of things. But at the same time, I also understand that the business next door to me is operating under those nitpicky rules, too. So why would I try to assert that I'm somehow above those same rules? And in my mind, if we're talking about a church... I think that they should be the first ones who would be compliant with these things because aren't they supposed to be the example of how to live, act, and behave? Isn't that supposed to be the point? And yet, all this guy keeps doing is raising as many hackles as he can. And he does it, I'm sorry, just he is a world-class attention whore. And that really is the bottom line here. There's no good reason for him to not do what they're asking him to do, aside from the fact that he's going to have to put out some money to do it. Yeah. And that right there could be one of the key parts of the problem here. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because whether it's a church or a reputable business, the rules remain the same. You got to spend money to make money. If you want to keep bringing in those tithes, then you have to be in compliance. And that means having your permits in place. That means doing what you need to do to maintain a safe and amicable environment for the community that you're in. And he has no desire or intention to do any of that. So come on, people, shut him the fuck down. Please. Shut him down. I want to hear about this in a few weeks. Shut him the fuck down down and make him start from scratch (laughs) oh here we go (laughs) yeah christians being dicks over not wanting to see a dick yeah and now here's a story about the smutty smutty art of michelangelo oh yeah total and complete pornography Mm. whatever i know that whenever we hear the name of florida i'm sure most of us think can any good come from there No, I'm pretty sure it can't, so. (laughs) Well, not this week either. The Tallahassee Classical School has pressured their principal, Hope Carasquilla, to resign due to at least one parental outrage over a work of art being shown to a class of sixth grader. Sixth graders know what a penis says. I'm sorry. They should. The artwork in question? Michelangelo's David. Oh, scandalous. Scandalous. Now, when I first saw this work of art, I was much younger than those kids, but every picture I ever saw of the artwork also had a fig leaf over David's (laughs) unmentionables. Because it was the 70s, I guess? I have no idea. I don't know either. I 
don't think that I ever saw any such thing. When we looked at this stuff as part of art or history, it wasn't censored and yeah. nobody fucking cared. Well, I think it was just because it was the 70s and a lot of the school editions of art books and stuff like that would have the fig leaf, which is apparently removable, which I didn't know. Apparently Queen Victoria took umbrage. Mm-hmm. And so people had to like censor. Yeah. But that was during Victorian times. It's 2023. Yes. You know, come on now. Yeah. But the parents, or parent singular, who took issue with this called the statue pornographic. None of the parents, or parent, has stated what they fear by showing the artwork to their students. Was it the fact that there was no permission slip sent home beforehand? It wouldn't be a surprise to me if a school with classical in their name chose to show their students a work of classical art. Well, there's a couple of issues here. First off is that these people have been taught to be afraid of sex to the point where a centuries-old replica of a stone statue can set them off. Um, Tell me more about how healthy and life-affirming your religion is when that's the way that you approach sex in any way, shape, or form. I keep going right back to the movie Peggy Sue Got Married with uh, Kathleen Turner sitting there with her mother and mom giving her the talk. And this is it in its entirety. Peggy Sue, do you know what a penis is? Stay away from it. (laughs) End of discussion right there. And I also think that permission slips can solve a lot of problems in these issues, in, in these instances. I really do think that it wouldn't have been a bad idea to just give the parents a heads up I mean, it's completely innocuous and probably wasn't even on the radar of the people who were teaching on this. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about a statue that literally anyone who's been around for any amount of time is going to see this by accident at some point in their lives. So I get it, but I do also think that it's a little bit extreme to... Number one, call it pornography. And number two, go after the principal's head on a lance over it, okay? Yeah. None of that makes any sense. Nope. Despite the name of the charter school, the school has close ties to other Christian schools. Oh, goody. Big shock. The Tallahassee Classical School is affiliated with Hillsdale College, a conservative Christian institution that has sought to expand its influence over the last decade by helping set up public charter schools. The school's chairman, Barney Bishop, fucking alliteration again. There it is again. Has stated, parental rights trump everything else. He added that the pandemic's remote teaching gave parents a clearer window into their children's education and prompted some to choose schools like Tallahassee Classical. They didn't like the woke indoctrination that was going on. Okay, two things. Again, yes, parents have the right to know and control what their kids see. When we watched Franco Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet in ninth grade, Mm. we had to have parental permission because there's literally a second and a half of bare breasts in this movie. I have no problem with disclosure, and I do think that it is a good idea. I also think that whenever you decide to use the word woke... You should be forced to provide a definition of the word in context. And if you can't, you shouldn't be allowed to use it until you understand it. I am so sick of these people wielding that term like a kid who just found his dad's gun. And so few of them really understand what it means. It is not the negative thing that 
most media is trying to make it out to be at this point. Yeah. I'm not saying that I'm going to identify 100% as woke, but I understand the concept. And I don't think that it's a bad concept. I think that it's a concept that can be used badly, mm. but I don't think that there's anything wrong with having a quote unquote woke mindset. It's way, way better than being narrow and closed-minded and thinking that you're right about everything without any proof or evidence and not being willing to see the other person's point of view once in a while. Yeah. I think that's way worse. So didn't mean to steal your thunder. So okay. there's, there's a bit more here, so let's keep yeah. it going. Mr. Bishop continued, we don't use pronouns. We don't teach CRT and we don't ever mention 1619. Those are not appropriate subjects for our kids. Why not? I don't. Why not? I mean, it's important to understand where our country has been, where it is now, because I I just, I can't get over this notion that slavery is over. Yeah, right. It is so not. And do we want to teach our kids the right things or not? There's some of that woke thought coming out right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. But no, we have the responsibility to take ownership of the things that we've done. So maybe we can start doing things a little bit better. Yeah. 1619 is apparently when slavery, quote unquote, began in America or in the Americas, in the new Americas. But the notion that it ended with the Civil War, which is what I was taught in high school. Oh, yeah. uh, That's bullshit. Uh It's alive and well and has taken on very sinister forms since. Yeah. And we've talked about some of it on the show before, but I mean, just do a little bit of research into the American prison system and what goes on behind those walls. I assure you, slavery is alive and well, and most for-profit prisons are a major front for it. Yep. And again, going off on a tangent, I will step down off my soapbox. (laughs) Let's talk about this a little bit more. I don't think any of these things that he mentioned are ideas to be bragged about. You don't use pronouns. What kind of a plus is that for a school? I know, right? I know. It seems that classical as an educational term in the evangelical world means their education is not broadened, but narrowed. There you go. It's little more than an indoctrination center for white conservative parents who want their children to learn as little as possible. Well, of course, that's not news to me because the more ignorant you keep your kids to what's actually happening in the world, the more you can focus them in on the fairy tales that you're feeding them day in and day out. Yeah. Michelangelo's statue of David is probably the least titillating work of art there is. I mean, it's gorgeous. It's beautifully done. It's a wonderful anatomical model. And it doesn't strike me as needlessly prurient. It's a classic work of art, one of the most famous works of all time. I guess since he's not holding a gun, it just doesn't work for some people. Yeah, I wonder if he had an AK-47 strapped around him, if we'd even be having this conversation. Seriously. So, oh, this this is the last one, right? Yeah. You know, I heard about this one earlier yeah, in the week, it, and it's been all over social media. It's been on every other atheist podcast that I listen to, but this is just another one of those examples of just to what extent... These people expect to be believed and just followed blindly. 
So let's talk about the miracle of the growing toes here. (laughs) And finally, in things that never happened news, a woman claims that her three amputated toes miraculously grew back after a group of women prayed over them. You know, weird stuff happens at these churches. Speaking in tongues? Weird. Interpreting the tongues out loud? Weird. Slain in the spirit? Super duper weird and scary to anyone unfamiliar. But one thing I have never seen is people getting limbs or other body parts regrown. Right, because you can manufacture the other ones. You can't manufacture this. Either it happens or it doesn't. Yeah, but that's precisely the report that's coming out of James River Church in Springfield, Missouri. Ah, Springfield, Missouri. Ah, good old Springfield, Missouri. The mecca of the Assemblies of God, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) During a service at the church, a montage was played during which church members talked about miracles that occurred to them. The last story was told by a woman who explained that she had three toes amputated after an accident. At a healing service, a person next to her asked if she wanted new toes. Let's assume she told that person her story. A group of women, we're told, prayed over her foot, at which point she decided to take her shoe off to see what was happening. And this is a quote from her. And when I did, I had to grab the person next to me and say, do you see what I see? And I saw three toes that were forming, and there's length to them tonight. I can stand on my tippy toes. Listen, do you understand? I can stand on tippy toes. I couldn't do that before because I didn't have toes to tippy in. <laughs> oh, my God. She's very happy about it. Well, you know, if it was legit, yeah. I'd be kind of happy about that, too. Yeah, having less three toes is not great for your balance. It would have been good if, you know, there was video of this occurring. But apparently not one of the 90% of people in this church who probably have a video-enabled cell phone thought to record the excited woman getting her toes grown back. Oh yeah, they were just too caught up in the moment to Mm. pull out their phones and just tap that one button that it takes to start taking video. Oh Mm. yeah, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. There are also no doctors willing to testify to what her toes looked like before they grew back. Of course not. Amazing. There are also no pictures of her missing toes as opposed to having them grown back. Incredible. I know, isn't it? It seems that the Facebook comments under this story are similarly skeptical of this miracle. Did her nose grow twice as long, too? Oh, great comeback. Love it. Apparently, the woman had lost three toes because she'd been shot by her husband three times and had gone into a coma for two months. One of the medications she was on caused three of her toes to be amputated. That is her story. Okay. It's a miracle that her toes grew back, right? Of course, we could have just not let her meet an abusive asshole with a gun, or not let her get shot, or not let her be in a coma either. Sorry, kids with cancer. You don't take precedence over a woman who wants to walk on her tippy toes. Apparently not. Mm. And, you know, unfortunately for me... Because this, we're, we're at the point in the episode where I have to kind of tie this all together. <laughs> and unfortunately, these stories don't have the tidy running theme that they sometimes do. And sometimes I just kind of feel like a broken record once we get to this point in the conversation. Because I feel like I rein it in the same way a lot. There, there are very few diverse perspectives 
that you can have on this when you're looking at it from the perspective of logic and reason and all of the things that we champion around here. So it's difficult to make the messaging unique every week. So this week, I'm just going to say this. If you're still part of this religion, what do you think about all of these stories? What do you think about a religious system that not only has built-in protections for adults who abuse children, but also disciplines its own leaders for trying to expose them and protect their victims? What do you think about a pastor whose ever-increasing hubris keeps chipping away at the message of the gospel in favor of keeping his own ego adequately inflated at all times? Last I heard, Jesus regarded people who put their faith on display in ways that are designed to garner attention were hypocrites. So why keep doing things that only piss off the people you're supposedly trying to draw in? Unless it's more about you than it is about the gospel. I'm just saying, Greg Locke. Is it healthy for a religion to be so sexually repressed that they feel threatened by a statue that literally the entire developed world has seen before? Wouldn't you think they'd have something better to complain about? At what point did Jesus ever say to ruin someone's life defending your right to be repressive in the way that you live, act, and think? And at what point did he ever say that non-sexual portrayals of the human body were somehow a stumbling block? And finally, what do you think about a religion that requires you to take literally everything you're told at face value without proof. I mean, I realize that's basically all of them, but stay with me for just a second here, okay? It's bad enough that they want us to believe in a God who clearly does not exist. Now we're supposed to believe miracles happen without the first hint of proof. And I'll say it again, it's 2023. If there are 500 people in a room, there are at least 500 cameras there too. Ask yourself why there's no documented proof when these things happen. It's okay to be critical of these things. I promise. In fact, it's necessary to be critical of these things. And while you might be afraid to confront your friends and spiritual leaders directly, you can and should confront yourself over choosing to continue to ally with a religion that produces people who do any of the things we talked about today. Continue to be critical. Don't suppress those thoughts. They're there for a reason, and they can help you keep steering your brain away from their influence. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the most crucial steps there is to getting and staying unbound. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Unbound. Show topics are chosen based on their timeliness, relevance, and social impact. Have suggestions for future topics? Email us at unbound.podcast.network at gmail.com with all your comments and feedback. Please don't forget to like, share, and throw a few five-star ratings our way and follow us on all major social platforms. And don't forget to hit subscribe if you haven't already. Links to our social pages as well as a full list of cited sources in today's episode are listed in the show notes available at our website, getunbound.org. That's get-unbound.org. If you value this resource and would like to see it continue, please consider supporting us on Patreon at the link in the show description. And be sure to check for new updates every Sunday when we'll come together again and take one more step toward getting and staying unbound. Do you see what I see? No.
Three toes, three toes growing on my feet. <laughs> ain't, it, ain't it awesome, nifty and neat? Oh, God, stop. Oh, my three God. Three new toes are growing on my feet. Oh, my God. We're done. Whoever's still listening, they're not anymore.